You are about to take part in a session from a Discipleship Bible School held at YWAM Richmond in the spring of 2022, and we are so grateful you are here. So much prayer went into every element of this course, from recruitment to content editing, and we are convinced you will leave this knowing God a little deeper. The Discipleship Bible School, or DBS, is an opportunity to survey the entirety of Scripture to discover God's redemptive plan for all of humanity. Over the course of 12 weeks, teachers explored the Bible section by section, not only to deepen students' understanding of what was written then, but reveal what we are being invited into now. If you like what you are hearing, visit ywamva.org to discover what courses we are offering, ways you can journey with our team, and other content created to help you know God and make Him known. Everything you hear was created as a step of faith by a team of YWAMers and volunteers who felt God inviting them to capture the DBS in its entirety, over 120 hours of content. If this content blesses you, consider supporting future schools and content by giving at ywamrichmond.org donate. Thank you so much for listening, and we can't wait for you to experience God today. I will stand up. I don't like to teach sitting down. I might sit down sometimes, but. Um, okay, can you all, will it be on these screens too or just the one behind me? Okay. Okay, yeah, I guess because you're not straight. <laughs> I'm getting there, guys. 3.30 this morning. I woke up. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, flew in uh, this morning, and so my flight was at 6. 25 so and I live like an hour from the airport so uh but it's good it's good to be here and to share with you all this week I'm really excited to um to see what the Lord has in store for you all and uh what what you get from this week what you really glean and so I will start out sharing a little bit more about me I uh Bamboo did a really good job but I will just share a few more things that um, my name is Angie Miracle. That is my God-given name. So I did not make it up when I came into missions. Uh, and several steps. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So uh, where I'm from in Kentucky, so my old Kentucky home, uh, there's like three sets of families with the last name Miracle, but they all say it differently. So we are miracles. There's miracles. And then I don't actually know the other, how they say it. But, um, yeah, so uh, that is my real last name. And I was born and raised in Kentucky. And then uh, left there after high school and went to college. Uh, well, in Kentucky still. And then after college, I left Kentucky and moved to North Carolina for about four years. And uh, was a flight attendant at that time. I wanted to travel the world. And I was like, what better way to do that than to be a flight attendant? So I was a flight attendant for about four and a half years and really uh, got to a point in my life where I was like, I think there's more than this. Uh, not that it wasn't fun. I really, I really enjoyed seeing the world, but I was like, I think there's more to life than, um, than what, how I was living it. I'll say it that way, because I don't think being a flight attendant is bad by any means. Um, 
But just for my life, I was like, I think I want to do something more. And so I'm, I moved back home to Kentucky and uh, took a normal nine to five job at a newspaper selling the advertisements and quickly learned that I was not a sales person at all. <laughs> I would go and I'd be like, hey, do you all want to buy an ad in the newspaper? And they'd be like, no. And I'd be like, okay, well, how's life? What's going on? Didn't make many sales, but made some friends. Uh, but it actually worked out because I was in that job for about six months, <laughs> not very long, and then I went into YWAM. And I, actually some of my first supporters were from that job. I had, I think there was like four or five that, uh, that were my accounts when I was at that job who then started supporting me when I went into missions. And so I could just see the hand of the Lord, and even in that six-month period, that um, it wasn't it wasn't a waste to Him. Where you know sometimes you're like, that was such a derail of like life. I was like, well, no, it actually worked out to be okay. Uh, but yeah, YWAM 2007, uh, Bamboo was like, you've been in YWAM for like 16 years. I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> I don't do the math anymore. I <laughs> just go with it. Uh, but yeah, I guess it has been, even though I, I'm trusting you on that number because I haven't done the math still. I'm not a math person. Um, but I started, I did my DTS in Salem, Oregon. And I, after being a flight attendant, I was like, where's one place I haven't been? I was like, Oregon. I was like, let me go there. If I had known that YWAM was all over the world, yeah, but God knew. <laughs> I know, but I'm like, still, I don't like the rain. I don't. I'm like, uh, but uh, the Lord had me there for about two and a half years and then went on from there to um, L.A. and took my school of biblical studies and then went back and to Portland and did some work with, um, well, ministry within YWAM uh, around trafficking issues and um, working with women and children. I did that for about a year and then decided that, um, well, I got asked to go to Hawaii uh, to uh, staff a DTS. And I had never, I'd been in YWAM for like five years and hadn't staffed a DTS. I'd always just like worked in ministries or in the registrar office, you know, just little things like that, which is not little, excuse me. Uh, those are big jobs, but um, so I, I got asked to staff a DTS and just to tell you, I like what I knew of YWAM still was very, people are like, you're going to Kona? I was like, yeah, like, I don't, I, it's okay. <laughs> and they're like, no, that's where Lauren is. I was like, oh, really? Okay. You know, and then you get there and you realize if you haven't been to Kona, it's, huge campus where yeah it's massive but um but where I really uh, fell in love again with the word of God because after I staffed that DTS um I found out that there was a new school called the Discipleship Bible School that was starting and I remember when they were uh pitching it to the students after outreach uh, I remember where we were sitting everything and I when he was talking about the school and the Bible and I just remember my heart like pounding and I was like what is this like I don't I don't I've not really had this very often where my heart's pounded about something and um, and so I went up to the guy who was talking about the school and I was like hey you know, can I get more information about this? Like, I think I want to take the school. 
And he's like, you've done an SBS, right? And I said, yeah. He's like, no, you need to come on staff. I was like, mm, yeah, maybe not so much. <laughs> uh, but I, I actually did and felt like through, through all of the schools, all of the um, just sitting in the lectures, I really have learned the Bible where in SBS, I, I love SBS, but it was, it was a lot for me. And I feel like I, I did pretty well in school. Um, but the way that the DBS is set up, I just, I really love learning in community. I love learning in small groups and being able to talk and uh, share with one another what you're learning. And I felt like, um, I, I wish, I always tell people, I wish I'd had DBS before I took SBS because I think I would have gotten a lot more out of SBS. Uh, so I think there is a time and a place for both schools. I love both of them. But for me, I, I wish I'd done it reverse. But God knows. And he knows uh, all things. And uh, so I don't trade my journey because I felt like even in DBS, I, a lot of times, that first school especially, I was like learning with the students. I was like, wow, like I don't think I read this in SBS, <laughs> even though I did. But there was just a whole opening of the word because I was doing it with other people. And so I was learning from them. I was growing with them. And it wasn't just, I've got to read this book and try to understand it. Like 27 chapters of Leviticus by yourself. And I'm like, that was overwhelming for me. So, um, yeah, so I love, I love the schools of YWAM. I've taken quite a few. So I'm not going to go into all of them. If you want to sit down and learn more, I can share with, that, share with you sometime about that. So um, here's a couple of pictures. Uh, things I like is the water, um, a hobby. I didn't put this in here, but a hobby, I guess I'll share mine, um, has recently, well, I think I've always liked to bake, but I've done more of it recently. So uh, that would probably be the hobby that I'm into right now. I'm trying to master sourdough bread and, um, yeah, and um, learning all the things that you can do with sourdough bread. I'm like, what in the world? You can make cookies, brownies, cakes, everything pancakes. So yeah, been, been experimenting a little bit. Uh, but the picture is me in, at the water uh, in Florida. Uh, just I find it very relaxing. And then uh, my sister and brother-in-law have a boat. And so that's my sister in the pink shirt. And I love, love my family and like to hang out with them. So a uh, picture of them. And then uh, some of my friends on the bottom there. And so I just very much encourage you while you're in this school to do things that refresh you. Um, find those things that, you know, even those hobbies that we've talked about, find those things because the school, even though it is community oriented, it still can become a lot. And so find those things that refresh you, not just, um, and some people, they can watch Netflix all day and that refreshes them. For me, that does not. Um, I think I just feel like I've zoned out and haven't, you know, but, uh, so do find those things that bring you life that when you get through the end of the day, you feel refreshed, you feel lighter because that is a habit for life, not just the school. And so that's why I have these pictures in here is because the friends that I chat with and I hang out with, they bring life. Um, being with my sister, being on the water, like that, that refreshes me and brings me life. And so find those things that do that for you and begin to cultivate them more and more so that 
you are living a life that is not just studying and, and being a student, but it's actually learning how to, how to be a student for life. Um, because you're always going to be studying the Word, hopefully. That is our, that's our heart with the DBS, is that you become a Bible student for life because you continually want to learn more and you want to grow more in your relationship with the Lord and in uh, knowing the Word of God. So another little hobby I have is my little animals. So the dog is bruiser. And then, um, yeah, he's a real bruiser. He, um, he's like 15 pounds. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the cat up at the top, uh, the gray cat, he is um, a stray cat that's come around. And we named him... At first, I was calling him baby, but I was like, oh, come here, baby. But he doesn't like you to touch him or <laughs> anything. So I started calling him BB because I was like, oh, big boy, like you're a boy. And I don't know what else to call you because I can't like love on you. And so we call him BB. And then the black one at the bottom is Leo. That's my little, my little cat that, um, yeah, he likes to cuddle. And I feel like he's talking to me there. So I like that picture. <laughs> But those are my little animals, and we we did get another one recently. Uh, I don't have a picture of her, but it's a German Shepherd, and so yeah, um, I probably I might have a picture on my phone, but I don't have it in the slideshow. I need to add that. So, um, but yeah, so Nika is the German Shepherd, and she is a handful, but they're a lot of fun. Okay, so I want to get into a little bit of what you learned last week. You've been in the school one week, okay? What did you all cover last week? What books did you go over? Let's do that. Yes. Good job. Okay. <laughs> it's better than sometimes what I get, so. Yeah, okay, well, good. Okay, so what is something that you learned from Genesis that has stuck out to you that you didn't realize before? Or did you all just know it all already? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Redemption and that is huge. Yeah. Huge theme throughout the whole Bible. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. First time of God's redemptive plan coming out. Yes, that is a great one. Yeah, I like that. What about from Exodus? What did you all, I'll, uh, so I have each book up here, but <laughs> it's okay. It's quite all right. We were going to get to Job anyway, so you did it. <laughs> you were just so eager. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What about from Exodus?
Mm-hmm. Um, I had known it was Russian, but I never saw it. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah. And we'll be talking more about the feasts and the festivals and all that kind of stuff this week. So you'll get to hopefully learn a little bit more. So, and then we've already covered Job, so that's good. Anybody else have anything from Job that you're just dying to share? That's definitely a, a huge concept for life, that there are so many things that we don't understand, but are we going to continue to trust the Lord and to walk with Him and to follow Him even when we don't understand? Yeah, so. Yeah, I think, I think the, the thing that kind of jumped out, I think, was the theme of Joel and Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that uh, he believed that God didn't leave him and kill him, even though everything was taken away. Yeah. And so, and so he knows that he's done that. It's hard and strange and not a lot. Mm-hmm. And that God is still good and he's going to redeem all those things. And yeah. you don't have to have understanding for it in order to foster the faith and the hope. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just that jumped out to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, we can focus on the suffering and everything that went wrong, but really it comes down to even with pain, like, are we going to trust the Lord? Are we going to come to Him and um, and trust that He, he knows what He's doing? So, yeah. Okay. So... Genesis is the book of beginnings, so I'm just going to do a little bit of a recap so that you can get your mind into, because it is Monday afternoon, so, um, but yeah, it's a book of beginnings, so it's the beginning of the universe and the earth and human race, and then also languages. We see all of these things beginning in this book. We also see the beginning of evil and death. And then also we see the beginning of God's redemptive plan, starting all in the very, very beginning, Genesis 3. And so that redemptive plan is God restoring relationship. He is bringing back into a right union what was broken. And so that's already starting in Genesis, right after it was broken, He is already saying, I've got a plan. I've got something that I'm going to do to restore what has been taken. And then we see that there's blood atonement. And there's other things. I'm not going to go into all those because, yeah, you you read it last week. And so I just wanted to do a little recap. But it is the book of beginnings. And so why was Genesis written? It was written to show Israel where they came from. So we know that as this nation, they were, you know, really fumbling with who they were. They didn't have an identity. And so this book is really giving them that. It's giving them um, this to show them who they were 
where they came from, but also where they need to go. So it is all about their identity. And so um, I have words for like the first five books, I, yeah, first five books of the Pentateuch that sort of, I guess, summarize those books. And so the word for Genesis would be that God elected his people because he is calling them out and, you know, he is really saying that he's calling them his. And so he is electing them. Then if we move on to why Exodus was written, this is where they are leaving behind Egypt. You know that they were in slavery, and so this is where they are now leaving behind. So the first 18 chapters are this taking place. And then 19, chapters 19 through 40 really are them meeting with God on Mount Sinai. So this is them, you know, getting the law, getting um, understanding of who God is and who they are. So the tabernacle was built at that point. And so this is a, a record to really tell them the experiences that they're having with God so that they can recall what has taken place. So this is all about God delivering his people. So he elected his people and then he delivered his people in Exodus. Can you all see how that plays out with what you all read? I'm not teaching heresy. Good. Good, good. <laughs> Jesus, I hope not. <laughs> but I'm teaching. I mean, I'm fine of being on record, but I just don't want to teach heresy. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm like, please no. Okay, so what do you all hope to learn this week? What books are we covering? Numbers and Hebrews, yes. Yep. So, um, what do you all, have you all read these books before coming here? Okay. Yep. I know this is sometimes like a, a weird question because you're like, I don't know what I hope to learn, like to know it better. Like, but sometimes people are like, I just want to know this about it. So, it's good to know that before, <laughs> before I get, on, get into all this. So... Uh, but hopefully throughout the week, uh, we, we really come to a greater understanding of these books. And so I'm not going to say this is what I hope you learn. Uh, I hope that the Lord teaches you through me, that it's not me teaching, but it's the Lord teaching you. And so, uh, but just pray that you walk away with a greater understanding of these books and how they really fit into not just the Old Testament, but what it means for us today. So, okay. But before we really even get into this, um, I know that studying the Word can sometimes, well, I think you'll find out later on in this school, it can become just sometimes routine. It can be, okay, we've, we know we've got worship in the morning, then we've got small group, then we've got class, and then we've got to go to dinner, and then we've got homework, and, and so it becomes this routine of just day to day. You do it for 12 weeks, and then you're done. But I want to tell you that, you know, this is a, I think you already know this, but to 
remind you that this is a unique opportunity that you have to be sitting in these seats for these three months. Do you know how many people, I mean, if you think of everybody in the world, how many people actually take three months out of their lives to read this book? So you all are in privileged seats right now because you all are, you have the opportunity to study this word, to grow in your understanding, to grow in your relationship with the Lord. And this is something that is so special. So I really pray that throughout this time that you really devote this time to the Lord because you don't get this back this time of setting aside these three months. Like you can come back on staff, you can lead the school, you can do many other things within missions, but it's never the same as being a student and having all you do is study the Word of God, unless you go and do seminary or another Bible school. Like, but in, these, in this setting, this is it. You'll never have speakers that are the same. You'll never have the same group of people the staff will be different. So like this time is so special and unique. And so I want to ask you a question because when we are reading through this word, it is like God is setting a table for us. And he is creating this beautiful feast for us to come and learn who he is, to learn who we are, to understand more of his heart, of his character, and so when we are coming into each day, when we are coming into each week and it becomes monotonous, and you're like, oh yeah, it's week five, it's week six, you know, and it just goes on and on because the prophets, I love the prophets, I teach the prophets, but they can be a little bit rough. So I want to ask you, what are you bringing to the feast? Because if this is a time where the Lord is setting this table to really invite you into a deeper relationship, are we going to come with our hurried thoughts and our um, worries from the day or from the week or from the last year or whatever it may be that's weighing on us? Or are we going to come with an expectation and a joy and a hunger for the word and for the Lord? And so I have down here that, you know, we can come with an expectation of love and this place of security, knowing that we are, are set in our relationship with the Lord, that we are fully accepted, that we are worthy, that we are chosen. We can come to the table and knowing that there is a name tag at your seat, like there is now, but there is a name tag at your seat at this table because God knows you specifically. He knows everything about you. He knows what your thoughts are. He knows what your emotions are, what you're feeling right now, what you're struggling with right now. And so we can bring those to him and we can, like my devotional said today, we can cast those burdens on him.
and we can come and we can receive. Or we can come with hate in our hearts. We can come with insecurity. We can come with feeling rejected, like we're unworthy or that we're ignored. And so we always have a choice to make. How we're going to respond to the Lord's invitation of this feast. And so I pray that as you are coming into each day, that you are releasing the things that maybe you can't change, that it just is what it is, but you are walking in your identity of who the Lord's created you to be, that you are fully fully partaking of what he is offering you. And so I want to um, play a song. Let me just do it on my phone. Um, I don't have one picked out, but um, I just want to give us a few moments to contemplate what, what you're bringing And so this is not a condemnation time. It's not a time of um, of God, I need to do better. It's nothing like that. It is if there's something that you're carrying that you don't want to carry anymore, then offer it to the Lord and then see what he has for you. Say, God, I'm offering this. What would you like to give me in exchange? And so... We'll take a few moments and let me see if I can find a song that's, um, yeah, we'll take a few moments and I will pray and then we will um, just go before the Lord. And so, Lord, we come before you and we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for, we thank you for This day, we thank you for this school, Father, and we thank you for this table that you've set before us. And Lord, I pray that we all could come honestly before you and offer the things that are not of your kingdom so that we can receive the things that are. My song is loading. I just found For the Cross, but it's Bethel. It's just an instrumental, but it's not. It's got the little wheel.
Now, Lord, I pray that the things that you've revealed, that we would walk in, walk in the truth and the light of those things, Father, and the reality of what you are presenting to us. and the things that the world tries to throw at us, that it would not be able to sway us or uh, so that we would miss what you were, what you were doing in our hearts and our, our spirits throughout this time. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Yeah. Okay. And so I, I encourage you that, yeah, you come back to this question, that it not just be something that it's a ask it once and leave, but that it's something that you ask yourself over and over throughout the school and that you continually respond to if the Lord is asking you to release something that is of this world so that you can receive something that's of his kingdom. I have a quote, but I'm not going to read it, and then um, we'll just keep going because it's already 3.46, and so I've got a lot to go through. Um, so we're going to get into the book of Leviticus. Aren't you all so excited? Yay. <laughs> okay, good, because I really, yeah, I really like this book. It's, it's definitely one that has grown on me as I've studied this. And so if you don't necessarily love it right now, it's okay. But I pray that, uh, yeah, like me, that it just continues to uh, be one that you come back to because of the richness of it and how um, there's just so much in this book. But, okay, so Leviticus. The title comes from the Septuagint. Does anybody know what the Septuagint is without reading the screen? <laughs> I already gave you the answer. Um, but it is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. So the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. And so the Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible. So that's why, so when somebody else comes along and they're like, oh, let's see what the Septuagint says, you can know what that means. See, I've already... Hopefully you didn't know that before. If you did, whatever. Uh, but so the book of Leviticus, it means it's the book of the Levites. So you know how they are broken up into different tribes. So this is the book of the Levites. And so Aaron and his sons are from this tribe. So they are from the Le Levites, and that's their Levitical, they're the Levitical priesthood. And so the Hebrew title comes from the opening words of he called. And so a lot of times the first, first words of the book is what the title is in Hebrew, but then throughout the translations, they have changed. So that's where we get Leviticus, okay? And I want to just give a little bit of parallel for why Leviticus was written. And so we have to actually go back to Exodus to understand why Leviticus was written. So if you remember last week, we learned, you learned, I've learned, that the tabernacle was built. 
that the glory of the Lord came and filled the tabernacle in chapter 40. And then priestly instructions were given. Then also they were led out of Egypt and that God spoke to them from Sinai. So these are all the things that took place in Exodus. So we need to understand all of those things to then understand why Leviticus was written. Because now throughout this book, we will be understanding and learning more how to worship in the tabernacle that was built. And that the priests were given instructions, but now they're being ordained in the book of Leviticus. And like the glory fell in Exodus, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come and fill in uh, Leviticus also. And instead of being led out of Egypt, they're being led into the sanctuary. And so where God was dwelling on Mount Sinai and Moses would go up there, now he's going to be dwelling in the tabernacle. And so the one word to sort of summarize Leviticus is that God sanctifies his people. So God elected his people, he delivered his people, and now he is going to sanctify his people. So those are quick words that when you want to remember what those books are about, you can quickly, hopefully, go back and be like, oh, yeah, that's what it's all about. So really, um, Leviticus picks up right where Exodus left off. Uh, the Lord is speaking to Moses from the tent of meeting and saying, speak to the Israelites and say these things. Speak to them and tell them these things. And so really, this book is not just for the priest alone. Even though it is the book of the Levites, this is not only intended for them. It is for all people to know and to keep the law. And so this is why again and again and again throughout this book, you will see that Moses is told to speak to the people of Israel because they are to understand the law. They are to know it and to put it into practice. It's not just something that the Levites are supposed to have a, you know, group and that's all they do and that's all they do is uphold the law. But this is that it was for all people to know. And so you can, uh, even that wording that Moses is to speak to the people of Israel, that is sort of the, it's the transition from section to section in the book. And so that's how you'll know, you'll see that phrase. And a lot of, I have the references up there. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the people of Israel. And so you see that in uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Uh, then the Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions. And then in 5.14. Then the Lord said to Moses, if one of you commits. So it's over and over again, you see that there's this small, well, I don't think you're all is your old Bible, you don't have the red letters, do you? Okay. Uh, in my Bible, it's like you've got the black of, then the Lord said to Moses, and then it's all red, because <laughs> that's the Lord speaking to Moses to speak to the people. So, <coughs> I've got a cough in my, or a tickle in my throat, and so I hope it doesn't, yeah. 
come on too strong in the mic. <laughs> but, okay, so why Leviticus was written is because it's picking up where Exodus left off. So this is a continuation. It's not that you read Exodus and now you're done. You don't need to think about it anymore. This book is carrying on with what, what we've already been learning and what you've been talking about in Exodus. And you know that in Exodus, there were these two sets of tabernacle chapters. And you may have thought, why are we listening to this again? Like, why are we reading this again? Well, the first set was more of like design instructions for the tabernacle. And then the construction descriptions were in the second one. But the section on the, the con construction uh, does not really talk about the priestly garments and, and really the consecration of the priest. So Leviticus is describing the fulfillment of these things. So the priestly garments and the consecration, that's what Leviticus is going to be going into more detail about. So once again, what, what was set up in Exodus is just being built on even more with this book of Leviticus. So you can't really read them in a vacuum, I guess. Is, I don't know if that makes sense, but you can't read it just that one book and be like, okay, that's it, I'm done. Like it's something that builds on each other and all of these books do. And Leviticus is essentially a rule book. You know, it's got the law, so it is rules to follow. Uh, the book of laws are given by God to the people through Moses at Mount Sinai. And so these various laws are given having to do with holiness before God and really also dealing with love for their neighbor. Have you all read this book yet? The, okay. All of it? Okay. Uh, and so you'll notice that it says in there quite a bit, like, be holy for I am holy. And so this is, all of these laws are having to do with the holiness of God, but then also how to be in relationship with their neighbor. And so these laws, they, can, they included sacrifices. I'm sure that you all were like, okay, another sacrifice, more blood, more, more, more. So there's a lot of sacrifices, but then there's also ritual cleanness. So what that looks like. And then social obligation, so what it looks like to be in community. And as well, it talks about the laws for the Levites regarding their duties as priests. And so all of these are seen in relation to God. So you can't read these laws and just think, this is society. Like, God is a part of all of it. So it's all in relation to him. And so really it's all about getting it right in worship with both the people and the priest. Like they were, it was God trying to educate them on what worship looked like. So we see that the institution of the priesthood under Aaron is established. And as, like I said, more is understood about this. And then we have the Day of Atonement, which we're going to talk about. And this deals with that the ritual cleanness, and then making atonement for their sins. <clears throat> and then we have the laws regarding sexual relations, family life, punishments for major sins, 
so this, this book has a lot of information in it for the Israelites. Because really, this was, all of this was setting them up because the Israelites, as we know, had grown up in slavery. And so this was God forming them into his people. And there was such a need for this because they had not been a, I guess, a group with a real identity until now. And so this concept of relationship with God and then relationship with one another is key. And so that's what this book is setting out for them. It's how to be in relationship with God and then to be in relationship with one another. And then if that wasn't enough, there's more. It also is going to show how sinful people can relate to a holy God dwelling in their midst. Be holy for I am holy. So really from Exodus through Leviticus, what we are seeing is the beginning of the restoration that was lost in the garden. So even, you know, we saw it starting in Genesis 3, but it's continuing that he is constantly saying, okay, this is how you come back into right relationship with me. This is what this relationship is supposed to look like. This is how I want you to act. This is how I want you to respond and interact with one another. Because really, God is wanting to dwell among them. That is his whole heart and plan, is to dwell among his people. But how can he do that when there is sin that is rampant? So these instructions are really teaching them how he wants his people to live so that they can be in relationship with him because that's all he desires. <clears throat> Any questions on that? Okay. So let's talk about the character of God. Because I think that's something that you all sort of look at quite a bit in this school. Um, every law was given for their good. And I know that there are a lot of laws. And some you're probably like, what? But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were all, all the laws were given for their good. And... Even this whole concept of there's no other God before God. Does that mean that God is egotistical or that he's insecure and he's like, oh, no, 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 no other God. It's only me. Like, is that what this is about? Because I really believe that if there was a God greater than God, because of his love, he would say, he's better, go worship him. So it's not because he is wanting all, I mean, he, he does get the glory, but <laughs> um, it's not, so it's, it's not to puff him up. It's not to, not to stroke his ego. That's not why we worship him. 
but God knows that there's no other God that is greater than him. There have been gods who have tried, but they never add up. And so when it comes down to it, we worship God not for his sake, but for our sake. We don't worship him to, like I said, to to make him feel good. That's not why we worship the Lord. Because when we worship him, we become more like him. And when we are more like him, then we are walking in our identity, our full identity. We are becoming people of God. Thank you. And so when we don't worship him, we actually are diminishing ourselves because we are moving away from the source of our identity, the source of our being. So God says, worship me because it's good for you. You will know more about yourself, about me, and that is good. Okay. So I've already started off a little bit heavy, so I'm going to lighten it up a little bit. Somebody want to read this for me? (laughs) Can you all see it? You have to do it in The Rock's voice. Uh, (laughs) Totally joking. Why are you doing it in that accent? Come on. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's it. And that's just in Leviticus. So, and then his look. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, what? Yeah, there's a lot of information in here, guys. Come on now. Even the rock is surprised. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that came out. Or like, I found this whatever comic. I don't even, it's not really a comic. But um, when COVID was coming out and everybody was thinking it was, you know, from the bats and all that. And so I was like, I've got to put this in there. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, is it, what's it from? It's from the race, uh, the race to the Okay. It's pretty good. I'm like, I'm not seeing the movie. <laughs> okay. I'm like, I didn't even know what movie it was from, but great. Thank you. <laughs> I don't watch a lot of movies. <laughs> uh, okay. So you lost me at Leviticus. Has anybody ever felt like that? <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. All right, I've got it. 
Can we have a mint? I've got a tickle in my throat. I'm going to keep coughing in the mic if I don't have one. <coughs> okay. Um, so, why is Leviticus so hard to read? Oh, thank you so much. I know. I'm needing a team today to get through this. <laughs> Cleaning out messes, mints. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So why is Leviticus so hard to read? Sorry, it's probably going to be harder to hear me. But um, I want to say that relevance is the issue. And really, when we are reading through this book, you're probably thinking, this has nothing to do with me. Like, why do I need to care about this book? Because this book has so many laws and regulations about the Israelite religion. And you're like, well, I'm not an Israelite, so why does it matter? Because, you know, we don't have tabernacles or animal sacrifices anymore. At least I hope not. <laughs> we don't have animal sacrifices. <laughs> and then what do we do with all these weird rituals? Like when there's a skin disease or when there's a pregnancy and you're like, why, why do we have to have so many days for the birth of a son and then so many days for the birth of a daughter? And Yeah. So what do Christians do with this book? What, what are we supposed to do when we're reading this? Well, I propose two things I want you to remember, okay? You all ready for this? So Leviticus, these laws are part of God's covenant with Israel. You all know this. It says, speak, speak to Moses and say this to the Israelites. So over and over again, he's saying, that this is a covenant with Israel. It's hard to teach with a mint in your mouth. Um, then, they aren't just religious rites. So they're not just about religion, but they are about relationship. And I've already hit on this already today, this afternoon, is that this is not just about a religion that they were supposed to have, but it was all about relationship with the Lord. So that is number one that I want you all to remember. Okay. <laughs> and it's gone. I think the tickle is gone, hopefully. Okay. And then number two, what I want you to remember as, is that this book is a part of a larger narrative of the whole Pentateuch. And so the Pentateuch is the first five books of the Bible, or is some kind of, sometimes called the Law, Torah. It's all meaning the same thing as these first five books. So this book is in a larger narrative. So you know how I've already been going through what happened in Exodus and why what happened in Exodus is important for what we're going to be reading in Leviticus. And it's because these books are not standalone that they always are coming and building on one another. And so this book needs to be looked at in light of what came before it, but then also what comes after it. So it's about relationship, and it's about a larger narrative. So that's what we need to remember when we are reading through all of these laws, and you're like, 
it makes no sense to me. And really, to modern readers, it may seem like a strange book, you know, because we don't understand these rituals. We don't understand why they have to do all these things. And even um, there was a girl, bless you, there was a girl that I went, I went to DTS, or I met her in DTS, and she, like, even talking about blood, she would, like, almost faint. And so, is that you? <laughs> I mean, it's not her. It was another girl. <laughs> so... <laughs> I did almost pass out when I kissed my knee. Yeah. Several times. I recognize the importance. Yes. Power through. Good job. Good job. Yes. So, I mean, it may seem repulsive because you're like, why, why all of this? Like, it just seems a little bit much. Most see it as reflecting this odd set of ancient traditions, taboos that just don't matter anymore. But really, if we take away this book of Leviticus, and these scriptures that make up this book, it can become really difficult to explain one of the greatest things that we hold in Christianity. Because without the message of Leviticus, the key event of all time, the death of Jesus Christ, is puzzling. Because if you, if you had the opportunity and the privilege to grow up in church, then you may say, I knew Jesus died for my sins. It's okay. I get it. And without reading Leviticus. But when you're younger in church, you sort of just take things. And you're like, oh, yeah, I've grown up with that. I know that. I get it. Like, it's just what it is. But people who didn't grow up in the church, who... Um, and if you didn't, it's quite all right. You're here now. Praise the Lord. And, but if you didn't grow up in church, you may think, Jesus dying on a cross, like, he was sinless. Why did he have to die for my sins? Like, it, it can seem a little bit hard to grasp at times. But when you look at this book of Leviticus and understand the sacrifices and what took place and why it took place, then Jesus and his death and what he went through makes sense because he is the spotless lamb. He is that atonement. And so when we are reading this book, we read it with the eyes of the Israelites, getting in their shoes, understanding what they were going through, but we also look at it from where we are today and how we're living our lives and why it's so important for us to understand this. And really, the magnitude of what Christ has done for us. Because we don't have to do all these now. <laughs> Thank goodness. So, yeah. Okay. So I like, I like this book because um, I, when I... I was looking through, uh, just even putting this presentation together, I found that quote, and I was just like, that is so true. I think I was raised in the church, so I sort of just took it for granted that, like, yeah, Jesus died for my sins. I know that. Like, it just is, like, second nature to believe and realize that. But for people who didn't grow up in the church or who even struggle with Jesus' life, and I think this book helps them to understand because they see, oh, 
Like this is what they used to have to go through and now we don't because of what Jesus has done. So, okay. I want to talk a little bit about God's redemptive plan. I think that's something else that you all sort of look at a little bit, just a tad bit, just a little bit. Um, <laughs> so who is God? But then also, what does he want for his people? And I want to look at, I'm going to be like, especially this first little bit I have been, like going back to Exodus and then explaining more in Leviticus, okay? So who is God in Exodus? Would somebody read these verses for me? Can you see those? Exodus 34, 6 through 9. Is it big enough? Somewhat. It's okay. Just feeling special because you're doing great. <laughs> yes, thank you. So, who who is God in this in these verses? Who does He say He is? Mm-hmm. Yep. What else? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else you see? Hmm. Yeah, just. What you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. One of the words that sticks out to me. And I, I know it'll be different for different translations. Um, but it's in verse 7. I lavish unfailing love to thousand generations. He lavishes his love. I think about that word, lavish. Like, even when you hear that, what it, what do you think of? You put a lot of it out there. What? You put a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. Harley, what were you saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like it's overwhelming at best, like sometimes. Like you know, even like <laughs> It would be lavish. <laughs> I would never sleep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yes. So, like when I think of the word lavish, I'm like, you, you just think of this like extravagance, something that 
is, it goes beyond what is normal, you know, or just the mundane. So I even, so I, I like to get a massage. It doesn't happen often, but, you know, you just think about that, like, going into the spa setting, and it's like, there's the serene music playing, there's like the water drip, you know, like the fountain and all this kind of stuff. And they set this, this scene for you to relax and to, um, to feel refreshed. And so it's, when I think of lavish, I'm just like, it's that extra step. It's going above and beyond what is, oh, hey, how you doing? Instead of, hey, how's your day going? Like, how are you doing? Like, it's, it's that extra, bless you. <laughs> it's the extra of, of it all. And how this word is used, to lavish unfailing love. I mean, he could have said, I'm going to give you unfailing love. Okay. Like, that would have been good. Because unfailing love is pretty, impre- pretty impressive and incredible. When he says, I'm going to lavish that on you. Like, what does that say about the Lord? And who he is. So just this whole, I mean, that one little word right there, to pull it out and, and to meditate on it and to really think about who God is in this situation of lavishing his unfailing love, that he goes above what is, what we deem as appropriate or even enough that he is going to take that extra step. That he is going to forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. But he's not going to excuse the guilty. But he's slow to anger. He's a God of compassion and mercy. I like that these are, that this is one of the things that we have to do in this school. It's theme traced. God's uh, character and nature because I think it's really easy to forget who he is. And I'm speaking personally. It's really easy for me to forget who he is. And so I can go back through my Bible and even look at what I've marked blue and I can see Your faithfulness extends to every generation as enduring as the earth you created. I will see 
to it that you do not get a, well, let's see here. Oh, that's justice. Well, I mean, that still works, but um, well, let me do a different one. That's Jeremiah. <laughs> I can get a different book. Um, all his acts are just and true. He is able to humble the proud. His rule is everlasting and his kingdom is eternal. All the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. He does as he pleases among the angels of the heaven and among the people of the earth. No one can stop him or say to him, what do you mean by doing these things? When we can look back over, when you finish the school and you can look back at his character and nature and remind yourself of who he is, I hope that it transforms your relationship each and every day. That you are learning more about how he is lavishing his unfailing love on you. So that's who he is in Exodus. Who is he in Leviticus? So the important thing that I have taken from this book is that word holiness. And we will talk about that quite a bit in these first few days. And it's just as important word for us Christians today and the church as it was for the Israelites. Would somebody read 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16? So this is not a concept just for Leviticus, but it's something that we need to grasp and really understand so that we can live out the scriptures. That as Christians, we are those that are holy because he is holy. And so who he is in Leviticus is going to set the stage for who he is in Numbers and Deuteronomy and on throughout the rest of the Old Testament and the New Testament. So make sure you are marking your Bibles if you do that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> good. Okay, so we talked about who he is, and now what is his plan? So what is this redemptive plan for these books. So in Exodus, somebody read 19, 5 through 6. Now therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession out of all the peoples. Indeed, the whole earth is mine. And you shall be to me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to me forever. Yeah. So he is saying, you shall be my treasured possession. Out of all the peoples, indeed, the whole earth is mine. A priestly kingdom and a holy nation. Those are some big, big concepts, big words. Not in length, but just in 
magnitude of what this means for them. And so Leviticus answers those verses from Exodus 19. You shall be a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. This recurring theme of you must be holy for I am holy. Holy is found 81 times in Leviticus alone. And so sometimes, um, I don't think you all are using NLT, and that's the book I brought, sorry, um, that is translated as sacred. But this word is holiness and sacred are used interchangeably in this. So when it says that something is sacred, just know, okay, that means it's holy. Okay. And so this, you know, really this concept of God is holy. It is who he is. It's not just an aspect of him, but it, devi- it defines his very being. Just like God is love. It's not something he does. It is something he is. And so we see that um, the first use of this word holy comes in even in Genesis, in chapter 2, when he talks about the seventh day being declared holy. And then the next time we see the use of this word is in Exodus 3. Do you all remember what happened in Exodus 3? We turn back there. I'll give you a little hint. Somebody read the screen. (laughs) The burning bush. Yeah. Good job. (laughs) Oh, yeah? (laughs) Prince of Egypt. (laughs) Nice. Okay, so in this story of the burning bush, what made the ground holy? Yeah. It says, when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called out to him in the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. I mean, it's ground. There was a bush there. But it was burning and not being consumed. And I think I'd be like, hmm, that's interesting just like Moses was. So it was God that makes this ground holy. It's God who makes these things that we're going to be reading about holy. Mm-hmm. Right relationship between each other. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, for sure. So who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Glorious in holiness, awesome in splendor, and performing great wonders. He is holy. And so we even see that um, in the Pentateuch, there are really four types of holiness apart from God. We see that people are holy because we have the royal priesthood. Then we have places that are holy. And the example would be the tabernacle. Objects are holy, which are the utensils that are in the tabernacle. These are all examples. And then time that is holy which would be the festivals, the feast. And so this, this concept of, of what I'm trying to start to wrap our minds around is that holiness is not the same as moral behavior, just doing right or wrong. And really, Leviticus 10.10 is our starting point for this word. And so I have on the next slide that you must distinguish between what is sacred and what is common, between what is ceremonially unclean and what is clean. And so things are either holy or they're common. They're either clean or they're unclean. And I don't want to get too far into Leviticus because that's in chapter 10 and we haven't done one through nine yet. So... I want to just start to to put our heads in this this framework of of, um, holiness. And so we will be talking more about this tomorrow. But um, for now, I, let's see here. I'll go ahead and take. Okay, I've got one. Well, actually, yeah, we'll just go ahead and break here. Yeah. So I want to, yeah, talk about one more thing. Well, I want to talk about a lot more, but, um, <laughs> but we'll we'll come back and we'll talk about the tabernacle. So.